everybody. It's Marnie, and thank you for joining the Golden Thread Podcast. Today, we have one of my dear friends and one of the top inspirational people I know, Adam Walker, who is a world record-breaking swimmer. He is the first and only Brit to swim the Ocean Seven, which is the seven deadliest oceans in the world. And he is a swim coach and instructor and lives in England. And he's going to tell us all about his story of how he started um, this journey of connection to the ocean and where he is now and how he helps others swim and overcome obstacles. He's a motivational speaker. He is um, an RLSS Open Water Safety Ambassador and author of Man Versus Ocean. So thank you so much, my friends, for being here with me uh, to talk about your experience. And I welcome you to the podcast. Thank you very much, Marnie. Happy to be here. You got a lot of things in there. I was very impressed. <laughs> now, very excited to tell you my story and, uh, and to share it with the listeners. Um, I, I think we should first like just say that Adam and I met on the Big Island probably almost six years ago at this point. And Adam was filming a, a dolphin documentary. And I was lucky enough to be a part of that swimming film crew to talk about dolphin human interaction. And I was a dolphin swim guide at the time, probably the one of the best times of my life. And um, if any of you guys are big dolphin fans, we're gonna be talking about that tonight, dolphin-human connection. And so we met um, on that film, which was one of Adam's films that he was doing and started a friendship back then when him and his beautiful partner, Gemma was there. And we just, all three of us like had such a sweet connection and we've like been friends ever since. And he has just, grown in so many ways. I can't even read all of the things on his bio for you guys. So I'm going to put it in the description of the podcast, just so that you can learn about all the things he's accomplished. Um, but most importantly, the things that I really admire about Adam, and I'm going to get real personal here is, you know, even though he has and I can ask him the statistic of how many men have actually swam across the seven deadliest oceans in the world. There's only a very small handful of people who have ever done that. And even though he has done something that is just unfathomable for, the, for a normal person, I think, even for myself to do, um, he's so humble and so gracious and so welcoming and inclusive and is really here to help you believe that you can do anything. And he has this great motto that I really love, which is just to never give up, to always keep striving and to never ever give up. And he does it with such eloquence and grace and he's such a gentleman that you're like, how can this guy be this incredible incredible athlete and so and so um open about his story and that's really what makes um adam walker i think an extremely unique individual so 
it's an honor, truly, my friend, to have you on my podcast and to listen to your story and to continue like sharing and let it ripple to so many people that may may not believe that you know they have a purpose on this earth and they're that they're here for a reason. And I would love for you to share, you know, your story and what what switched for you from from living an ordinary life to living a life with passion and purpose. Yeah, well, first of all, thank, thank you for that. I mean, very kind, uh, very touched things you said there. Um, I, I think the important thing is we're all human beings and, uh, you know, you know, we can all find our path. It's just kind of keeping our eyes and ears open for that journey. And some people get scared of that and afraid of what that means if they take that step over the line, take the risk and and it might turn out bad, but what you realize or what I realized was that actually, if you always take that risk or something is in your ear and saying, well, what, what if this happens? What if I'm not good enough? And you just go with it. It's amazing how many things open up for you. I mean, to give a, a short version of my story, in 2007, I watched a film on an aeroplane about a man who swims the English Channel. and. And I was bored, I was going to Australia, so I was going on holiday and I put this, a sport movie on and I like sport. Uh, I have a, a sport degree, but I never went into sport. I would, I became a salesman and, and so, but I like sport movies. And this movie was about a man called Frank who loses his job after 35 years in the boatyard and he's, he's depressed and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he jumps in the pool and he's just starts swimming and his friends watch him and it's a, it's a comedy and it's not real, it's fiction. But I got really inspired by the movie. And there's a, a scene in the movie where Frank is on the ferry. They take him from England to France to cheer him up. And he looks out to sea and he says, how mad would you have to be to swim this? Talking about swimming from England to France. And they're all looking at him like, well, totally, why would you do that? And I took my earpiece off and I turned to the person next to me and I said, I'm gonna swim the English Channel. And they said, what? What are you talking about? I said, I'm going to swim the English Channel. And I had a moment where I just decided in my mind that I'm not going to just say it as a thing. I'm, you know, if I'm saying it, I have to do it. I have to find a way. I didn't have a clue what that meant. I mean, I played water polo at the time a little bit. And water polo is um, basically treading water. I, I'm in goal, so I'm treading water and just jumping for the ball. So the most I swim is probably five meters out to get the ball. And I hadn't swam for maybe eight years. I was 20, what would I have been? 26, 27 years of age. But I always thought I was capable of something, but I couldn't put my finger on what that was. And I said, well, I'll just do this. I used to swim. I like swimming. It's one of the sports I could do without getting injured. And we'll give it a go. And it also represented something that I wasn't good at uh, in swimming. So front crawl, I never swam front crawl, I swam backstroke, so I swam on my back. Uh, I always swam 50 meters, uh, two lengths of the pool. I never swam really more than that. Sometimes four lengths, but never more than that. That was too long. So this was like 35 kilometers, non-stop in swim shorts with extreme temperatures. So it was a sport that I could that I thought I could do with my my knee problems and my back problems, um, but it represented out of my comfort zone. So it seemed like a good match. 
And I always wanted to be an Olympian of something, but as I say, the injuries kind of got hold of me and I didn't want to be remembered for what I could have been. So that's how it really started. And then when I got back from Australia, I looked at all the information on it and it was, you know, you've got to swim 50 kilometers a week and you've got to do this and that, and it costs X amount and you've got to really uh, train like an Olympian. And I had a job, so I was traveling 150 kilometers to work and 150 kilometers back again. So I thought, well, how am I going to fit this in? But, you know, you find a way before work. And when, you, when you're doing your job, uh, where I was doing my work and I was managing a team, I would then quickly go off at lunchtime and, and jump in the pool and swim my three, four kilometers and then get back to work again. And had all this puffy eyes from chlorine and people thought I had had a late night or drank too much and, and not realizing it was chlorine. Um, but that became my life. And then at the weekend, I would build up and I would do six hours on a Saturday, uh, five, six hours on a Sunday uh, at the ocean. And I'd have to drive three and a half, four hours. So that was, that was my weekend from training. And it took me, I'd say the first thing I did in the pool was I swam 40 minutes um, I thought, how hard can 40 minutes be? And I was really super unfit. And I thought, oh dear, what have I decided to do here? But I'm pretty stubborn. So I went on the next day and the next day. And then suddenly after five months, I managed to do five hours nonstop in the pool. And it was quite funny really, because I, the most I'd ever done was two hours up to that point. And I took a small cup of water and I thought, I wonder if I can beat my two hours. And then I got to three hours, four hours. and I. And the, the public swimming went from lane swimming, adult swimming, to child swimming, to public swimming, back to adult swimming. And I was kind of in the corner, swimming up and down with lifeguards sort of trying to get my attention, thinking, you know, what's he doing? He's <laughs> just swimming up and down and not stopping. And and uh, so that, that then gave me confidence. And I booked the English Channel, having never swam outside any real distance apart from a holiday. So then I thought, well, if I book it, then I have to make sure that I'm up to the standard that needs to be, you know, so I get used to the temperature. So I kind of didn't give myself a way out. I just committed to it with no experience swimming outside. And remember a swimming pool is 29 degrees. The English Channel is 15 degrees. Uh, to give you an idea, if you put a cold bath to the top, that's similar to what the English Channel would be. And you're swimming all day long, no wetsuit, normal costume. You can't touch the boat, so it's unassisted. Um, and, and you're basically swimming from one country to the other. You've got a support boat that you follow and they, they look at the tides and the currents, but the only drink you can have is thrown over the side, tied by a piece of rope and you get a carbohydrate drink. You can have it when you want, but if you're too long, uh, in the end, the tide can turn every six hours in the English Channel, so you could get so far ahead and it could push you back towards England. So it's not like a lake or a, or a swimming pool. So I have to be pretty quick. So you have to train yourself. You get the drink, 10 seconds, squeeze, 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 drop it and then swim. And it's, and it's tied by a piece of rope. As I say, you can't touch the boat. So when the big day came, and it was 18 months after I started, I was trying to do it for my 30th birthday, um, which was July the 9th. And it got to July the 10th. And I thought, rather than having a party or coming back drunk the day after, wouldn't it be pretty cool to swim the English Channel? The problem was the weather was so bad, I had to drive back from Dover where they start the English Channel and um, it was belting down with rain and so it was it was it didn't happen that way. 
But I had all my things packed. I went back to work. I was selling kettles and toasters. Um, so I, I had accounts where I would sell into head office all these different small domestic appliances. So normal job. Had all the things packed in my uh, dining room, and I just left them there. Went back to work, and then was checking every day for the weather. And the 14th of July came about. On the 13th. Um, the pilot rang me and he said, the 14th looks good, what do you want to do? And I said, well, the weather looks pretty bad though. And he said, well, it could be bad, but it might not be bad. It's 50-50, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, that's not really clear, is it? And I had to put my dog. So anyway, long story short on it, I, I decided in that moment, if ever there's a 50-50, I've got to go with it because I don't want to have any negativity in my head and I don't want to give the ocean um, power over me. What I mean by that is the ocean became like a friend to me, uh, like a, a person that I had this relationship with that would try and overpower me, try and make me kind of, um, I don't know, scared of it, I suppose, would, would, would try, but I would always embrace it and realize that by embracing it and going through the things I had to, which was, you know, in training, I was at times, shivering uncontrollably i had a nosebleed on one time for the for the temperature um dehydration and in fact one six hour swim after three hours i had nosebleed stomach ache uh, shivering uncontrollably and was sick all at the same time now i don't recommend that that is not not good and that was three hours into six hour training swim and i managed to give myself little incentives which is just swim to that wall another 15 minutes, then you can get out, Adam, and I get to the wall and go, oh, just go to that wall. And I did this until I finished the six hours. And then, um, and this sort of training would go on and on. And I'd always complete what I set myself out to do and get in what I call winning habits. So, so always trying to, no matter what you're going through, try and get over that line because then you, know, you get in that habit of not quitting and then that makes you stronger. So then when you do have a problem, an even worse problem, which um, you know I had the odd one in some of my swims, your brain is so used to completing everything. And so like, uh, well, Adam, you, you get through this, this is what you do, that it just feels alien uh, to it. So anyway, going through all these different things and all these different uh, training challenges set me up. And so when I swam on the 14th of July, I got across the English Channel in 11 and a half uh, hours and there was times where I was sick. I was sick about 20 times, I reckon, in the space of a couple of hours from how choppy it was. But again, I trained myself to overcome that, but my brain said, well, hang on, if you're so sick, how can you get enough fuel? Because you burn about 1,000 calories an hour. So if you've swam 10 hours or whatever, then that's 10,000 calories. That's four days of food for a man um, so um, and I remember someone saying if you don't have the fuel it's impossible to cross and you I, you, you think about you, you can't help but think about what people have said to you like emotional vampires sometimes they're not meaning to be emotional vampires but they've said well it's impossible if you don't put more weight on Adam or you don't have more food so this kind of came into my head, but I thought, no, I decide my own fate. I decide whether I put one arm in front of the other or not. How hard can that be? So anyway, I kept doing that and I, and I got through. So I did my English channel um, 
whilst training, I started to get a bad shoulder and I had to manage my training and I'd see a physiotherapist twice a week. And so I, I made a deal, as I put it, with the ocean god. So I looked at the sky and said, look, just give me give me this swim and I promise I'll never do this sport again. I'll never do this awful sport again, <laughs> is what I actually said. But then I thought, well, actually, I might be pretty good at it. And I had to give up so many different sports from injuries. So maybe I can just do one more. And um, I ended up having a scan and and it showed that I had a ruptured bicep tendon. So I actually swam the English Channel with, with effectively one arm that worked properly. Um, and the hypnotherapist that I'd, I'd seen a hypnotherapist throughout that had taught me how to sort of offset discomfort. Yeah. And um, but it turned out my shoulder was much worse than than I'd realised. So the the surgeon said, "Do you ever want to swim again?" I said, "Yeah, I want to swim from Spain to Morocco." And he <laughs> said, no, "No, no, no. I mean, at the beach for leisure." And I said, "Well, Spain to Morocco is leisure for me." And we had this laugh. And he said, "No, no, you're not going to be able to do that." And I said, "Well, we'll see about that." Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the operation, and then I. That's when Ocean Walker. Uh, the technique came around because I taught myself to swim away to take pressure off the shoulder and then it meant I could continue on my journey so so really from almost sort of misfortune I developed a way to overcome that Mm -hmm. so the thing about ocean swimming is it it throws you so many different barriers sickness um, obviously there's marine life which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about different challenges there and you have to find a way through it. And this was an injury that I had to overcome by developing a new technique. So again, there is always a solution if you look deep enough to move forward, even when you're faced with adversity. Unbelievable. I mean, for everybody who's listening out there, if you could just see my face right now, my mouth is always like to the floor. Um, stunned with with his story because half the time when I'm listening it's so it's it's just like are you kidding me like what would drive you to do something like that and to push yourself as much as you did and to know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to accomplish something that is barely done by any other human being on the planet and yet you pulled it off and overcame tremendous obstacles not just the psychological factors that you have to go through in order to to get through the mind playing tricks and games on you as you're swimming but also just the physical obstacles all of it it's you know and i do understand like training is is a huge part of it but that moment when you're on that plane you know, um, having an ordinary job and, and being this young guy who wants to accomplish something by the time he's 30 and making that commitment to do something like that. I think there's a lot of people out there right now who are also, you know, in that conundrum, right? In that moment of like leap of faith, like is my life, my life is worth so much more than what I'm doing now. And do I have enough faith in myself to get there, right? I might not know all the answers of where that leads to, but at least I know right here, right now, I can commit to something. And that's really what I hear in your story a lot, 
is your commitment to yourself to believe in yourself and to honestly push yourself even more than you even know yourself to be capable of and then you accomplish incredible feats of success um but it's really a very simple technique right and and that's what your slogan is like just one step in you know one stroke in front of the other one step in front of the other keep at it and, and know who you are and i want to let them know too that after after you accomplished you know swimming the english channel you went on to tackle the seven deadliest oceans in the world and successfully did all those too so can we talk about that a little bit because even you know once you had that big success at the english channel and how many people have done you and i spoke about this before but how many people have actually completed what you have completed now there's uh 20 in the world okay. that have done it so um to to give you an idea is around about 200 200 people uh more actually that have done the climb the seven summits for over 4000 people have climbed mount everest and there's around about uh, over 1000 have done the english channel so 20 in the world and uh, when i did it uh, completed it 2014 i was the fifth in the world to to have done it and i was one of two to do it without any failed attempts um at the time so yeah it was i suppose you're in a in a a unique group of people not many scattered around in different countries these these uh, extreme people and all have their reasons for doing it i've never i've never seen myself as a a really sort of um, particularly special person or different to anybody else i think the desire to find out who adam was and what he's about was was really what it what it was about you know you know it's turned into a business of coaching and and other things um but it was never about that i never actually meant to be a coach um it just people saw me swim and wanted to wanted to learn how to do it it was about self discovery and i think i was doing a job at the time uh, talking about the the movie on an aeroplane I was doing a job at the time which I wasn't really inspired by I could do my whole family were in sales and I I went into the sales jobs I did lots of different I worked for Coca-Cola Nestle um a different food and and electrical companies but it was like I I always was so confused with why do I feel so almost like I would joke a lot about what I was doing like I just couldn't take it that serious it was the way I deal with things which was just humor and uh and I think I was like you say I was looking you know staring down 30 I suppose and in my mind I was like I wanted to put some markers down and this just resonated with me i think i just found that i thought this is an extreme thing to do this is out of your comfort zone and this will help you discover what you're about and i know i'm competitive that's one thing in sport i know i'm you know and, and in my sales um career you know i wanted to succeed i wanted to get on with people i wanted to be happy you know you know i have that in me but i didn't know to sort of what level i suppose my dad had always say you know don't give up son and i've got that resonating through me as a child when i'd compete when i was 9 years old in the pool you know give it everything give it everything and it, and he it always tell me that um in my sales career as well so that's i had that inbuilt in me 
But the swimming thing was just an extension of that, but actually realizing that, you know, if you are determined enough and, and stubborn, if you want to call it that, but if you're willing to go through these things, then actually you can go further and further in your journey and actually things then come your way. And if you're about, you know, please give me stuff world, you know, I want to, I want to have nice things and, and, and all that. I think, you know, the, the more you push yourself and the more you get out of your comfort zone and, and you, you drive yourself towards something, uh, you get much bigger reward than, than anything, which is happiness. Um, if you're like me, which is somebody who wanted to really push themselves. And I, I've realized I'm happy if I am, if I have a goal and driving towards something. Um, not everybody has to do swimming or ocean swimming, but I think everybody has in them, even if they say, oh, I'd rather be at home in the weekend and put my feet up and watch the TV. I think deep down, people want to strive. Human beings want to strive and develop and grow. And I really believe everybody has that in them. It's just sometimes that they need to be kind of open their mind up to it or maybe someone helps um, influence them or, or say, you know, let's give that a go together and whatever that may be. You know, um, I'm known as Ocean Walker now. Adam Walker became Ocean Walker, which is quite funny, really, because, you know, as a kid, I was the guy who wouldn't swim long distance. You know, I wouldn't touch it, any of those events. And I, I didn't do front crawl. And now I'm seen as, I, I guess, one of the best and, and technique-wise of front crawl. And I had a messy stroke and I was all these things, you know, so for people to travel around the world to come and learn how to swim my technique, kind of makes me smile because I remember when I was training on two separate occasions, a lifeguard said to me, the person next to them is not enjoying their swim, Adam, because you're splashing them so much. Um, can you just not splash so much? So, you know, I went from one extreme, a horrible technique, uh, which I swam the English Channel with, which was just blasting to then this finesse and, and how that changed uh, in the journey. But moving on to to the different swims and, and then finding out about Ocean 7. So I, I swam the English Channel and, and I'd heard about Spain to Morocco, which was half the distance of the English Channel, but strong currents. And I thought, well, it's half the distance. Uh, maybe I should go there and back both ways because that feels like more of a challenge. And no English person had done that. But I, with this bad shoulder, you know, I wasn't even given a chance to go one way, let alone two. But I then kind of got it in my head that no, two ways is the way to go. I didn't realize why, I mean, at the time, I think it was, again, it was only a handful of people ever done it. No British person had gone both ways, but I wasn't big on detail at this point. I was like, I want to do it. I'm not going to look at the fact that the current, the current and the tides are twice as strong on the way back and you've got eight miles of coastline and it pushes you out to the Atlantic unless, unless you're super fast. And, and nature's with you, you've got no chance. So I didn't look at that detail. I looked at, I want to go there and back. Um, <laughs> so when, when I trained myself with the technique, I, I realized that, well, first of all, I, I thought I'm gonna be much slower with this technique, but at least it'll take pressure off my shoulder. It's a rotation from side to side. So I try and make myself like a fish on the side and I do this 180 degree rotation, which offloads pressure. But then as I got better, as I did it more and more, I started to find a fluidity to it and I got faster and faster. And that's when I thought, well, let's go both ways with it. So not only survive with your shoulder and carry on this journey, but go both ways. So anyway, I, I 
I had to break the British record one way, which was three and a half hours. I remember speaking to the pilot and I said, how fast do I need to be to come back? He said, um, uh, three and a half hours. We need to go under three and a half hours, 10 miles. So it's quite quick. And I said, well, what's the British record? He said, three and a half hours. <laughs> I said, oh, no. So I need to break the British record in order to then swim back, which is twice as long. And he said, yeah, that's why I said it was very, it's difficult and maybe you want to go one way rather than two. Um, but anyway, I decided to go two ways, three hours, 25, one way, six hours, 41 on the way back because it, it, it slowed me up. And, and uh, I remember actually finishing that swim and the guys were shouting at me like, and I thought they were saying it's over the tides because I remember myself getting pushed out to Atlantic and they were saying, Adam, Adam. And I thought, no, I'm not getting out. I'll just ignore them. So for about five minutes, they were shouting at me. They moored the safety boat up in front of me and I was like, ignore them. And they shouted, there's a rock, clear the rock, you've finished. I just heard. And I, I went through all these emotions of I'm gonna make it and then because I was going in a straight line back to the lighthouse on the on the second route back. So Tarifa to Tangier, back to Tarifa, Spain to Morocco, back to Spain. And then I started to get pushed and I thought I'm not gonna make it. And then suddenly I've made it. So it was a, a, a roller coaster of emotions. So this was Europe to Africa and back again. And then I thought, okay, I've done these two, maybe, you know, that can sit on my gravestone, you know, when I'm gone and, and, and I've done enough. But then I thought, no, no, there must be something else there. And <laughs> that's when Ocean Seven, I found out about Ocean Seven and these were two of them. Although Spain to Morocco, you only had to go one way. Obviously I went both ways uh, to tick that one off. And then there was these five other channels. So there's, um, which you'll recognize in Hawaii, Molokai to Oahu, island to island, which was the longest one, 29 miles if you go the shortest route, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And then Catalina Channel, so an island off Los Angeles to the mainland, Cook Strait in New Zealand, which separates New Zealand, Sugaru Channel in Japan, which is very north of Japan, and island to Scotland. And they've all got their own different challenges, some extreme temperature. And, and I never normally say that C-O-L-D word because I banned it from my head, but I'll say it for, for the, the talk. So some of them are extreme cold. Oh, I hate that word. So that's island to Scotland. And then you've got Molokai to Oahu, which is um, obviously sharks and Portuguese man of war and various different things. And then you've got Catalina Channel, which you start in the dark because of the wind and you've got shark infested waters as it's the Pacific as well. So you've got various different challenges. So I went on this journey to do five more. Um, and I <laughs> came through a lot of different challenges on the way. So I, I guess uh, the one which was next, which was uh, Molokai, was where I was stung by a Portuguese man of war. I had to pull I pulled tentacles off my stomach after 13 and a half hours of the swim and it took me 17 hours to complete the swim and, and that one was a, a real tester because the amount of pain that I was in from those stings, I mean a Portuguese man of war has similar um, sting, stingers to a cobra snake, 75% of the poison of a cobra snake so can shut down your organs and can kill you. And what happened with me was like, it was such a strange swim because I arrived in Hawaii, 18 hour flight, different time zone. 
and I got a call at seven in the morning, five hours late after arriving, to say, we're going tomorrow. And I said, well, what do you mean we're going tomorrow? Can't I have four or five days of acclimatizing to the time zone and the flight? And he said, oh no, it's gonna get really bad later on. I think we should go. Um, and I later found out he had a fishing trip. So that's maybe the reason uh, why he wanted to go when he did. But we went 24 hours after landing and I had to find a hotel and Hotel Molokai was on fire at the time, which was very strange. So they weren't getting back to me. I think a load of the room, the kitchen had burned down and so that was a bit stressful. Realized how can I, you know, where can I stay? But, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a real interesting one because I was so tired when I started and thought, what am I doing? And then the stubbornness got me to six hours of just purely pure stubbornness. I've come this far, paid the money to do it and the training. And then at six hours, um, I started to feel a little bit better. And then I remember the pilot saying he's going to break the world record uh, after nine hours. And I was three miles from the coast. And I thought, what's the problem? This is actually more straightforward than I realized. And as soon as I thought that, I went backwards for three and a half hours with the tide. Then I went sideways. Then it went, got dark. And as soon as it got dark, they sent a kayaker in with me because of the sharks to watch me. Um, and for other things, and then suddenly, bang! I was, I was, I was stung. Um, I, I knew it was a bad jellyfish, but I didn't know anything about Portuguese man of war at the time. And I started to be sick, maybe for seven or eight minutes. And then I tried to drag myself to carry on swimming, but I was in so much pain. I was holding my stomach, yelling in the middle of the ocean in darkness. And then I made a deal with myself: look swim for a minute everybody can do something for a minute try and swim back to the boat or level with the boat don't get out and i lasted 30 seconds yelling again and the the kayaker's beside himself he says it's either a box jellyfish or or portuguese man of war if you start to labor breathe or hallucinate i've got to get you out and i thought well i'm labor breathing now but i have swam 30 and a half hours so i was kind of joking it in my head and I dragged my torso 30 seconds, yelling another 30 seconds, yelling again. I thought, this is crazy. I said, how long to go to the kayaker? And he said, an hour. I thought, I can't even do a minute here. And then I thought, no, no, let's go. Let's swim for a minute. Let's get level with the boat this time. Don't stop after 30 seconds. So I, I literally swam for a minute and then I did another minute and I got level with the boat. They leant over on the boat, my uh, my crew, which was uh, three people. They went to lean over to get me out and I smiled at them and carried on. And they were like, what's he doing? And said, I think he's going to try to continue. Mm-hmm. So my whole body was shaking. My whole body was like in shock. And all I tried to do was think about positive things, what it would feel like if I finished. And I thought, what will ever stop me again in swimming if I do this? And then I thought, what will ever stop me in my life if I do this? Because if I go through so much pain and overcome this, then normal life is gonna feel like a breeze. So I tried to think, just find a way. It can't go on all day. It's gonna be a matter of hours and you're gonna finish. So take what's in front of you. And remember, I'd gotten winning habits. I'd completed every training session. So it was a shock to me. My brain was going, let's get you out. And then the other side of my brain was saying, hang on a minute, Adam, you don't quit. So what do we do here? How do we, you know, level the two up? 
And I talk about the devil and the angel and the devil was huge on my shoulder saying, get out, get out. And the angel was tiny. And uh, I tried to make the angel bigger and, and make the devil smaller, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. so it was literally conversations. And, and then what I did was I visualized the burning pain as a warm blanket. And I remember the hypnotherapist saying, imagine you've got a warm blanket around you and it's protecting you, it's keeping you warm. So I used that burning sensation. And bear in mind, it's like a third degree burn being stung yeah. by Portuguese man of war. I then started saying to myself, thank you. Thank you for keeping me warm and thank you for testing me. And as soon as I started being grateful for being out there and being tested, I started to feel better. Um, I say better, uh, tolerating it better, but it was still a lot of pain. Um, and every time I did a swim stroke, I wanted to touch it. Cause you know, if you burn yourself badly, you want to touch that. That's how I was swimming. So it was barely a swim stroke. But I, I asked the kayaker and he kept saying 20 minutes to go and I do 20 minutes. And then he'd say another 20 minutes to go and another 20 minutes. And that went on for three and a half hours until yeah. I was, I finished, what was it? It's Diamond Head Lighthouse, near, near yeah. Diamond Head Lighthouse. And I should have finished at Sandy Beach in Oahu. And in the car the next day, I drove to where I should have finished. And it's 15 kilometers difference from one, that spot to, to where I did. And where I finished, the guy wanted me to go sideways at the end. And I saw the beach and it was 10 meters away. And I said, the beach is there. And he says, it's too dangerous. And I ignored him, and which I felt bad about, but I, the reason he said that was there's all these rocks, boulders coming out of the water, mm -hmm. if you know that area. And I scraped myself over all these rocks. I cut my um, leg open and I was scraped mm -hmm. my chest and I got onto the beach and there was somebody the other side, another swimmer trying to guide me in. And I looked like Freddy Krueger had, had attacked me. I had all these stingers on me. I had blood coming up my leg um, and my stomach looked a complete mess. I had 20, uh, about 25 ulcers in my mouth. So I couldn't speak properly. Um, yeah. the, the thing uh, at the back of your throat, um, that was like four or five times bigger swollen. And that was trying to choke me down my throat. And I had uh, KITV, it, uh, with a camera in my face and I thought I better say something inspirational after all this. And they didn't say a word, they just had the camera, 11 o'clock at night, just had the camera and I went, paying that for me, but there's that for the night time. So, so that was my inspirational moment. I think it's been removed off YouTube, thank goodness, but uh, but yeah, but it, it was done and, and that night I had seven showers to try and stem the pain. Every time I went in the shower and got out, I was in agony, I was trying ice. You're not supposed to use ice uh, for a man of war, um, but I thought it was a jellyfish thing. So I was trying to cool it down. Vinegar, again, don't use vinegar because it's a Portuguese man of war. It's not actually a jellyfish. So, um, but I didn't know, you know, I was trying to, and I didn't want to go to hospital at the time because I just swam 17 hours. So I wanted to rest. And I remember sitting in the shower, there wasn't any baths. I just wanted a bath, but they didn't have one. So I sat in the shower with my phone and I phoned my parents and my mum was on the phone. She said, oh, I haven't heard from you for hours and was not even asking if I'd done it. She was just worried about me. Yeah. I said, and then I said, put dad on the phone. And my dad came on, he said, you've done it, brilliant. And he was like the complete opposite, the competitive, fantastic. Whereas my mum was like, God, we brought you, you know, we've had it. And, 
But um, I think for three days I could hardly eat properly and the pain was, was very severe. But I remember lying on the bed that night and my body was shaking with the pain and I put the, the cold towels on it and I couldn't sleep at all. And I looked up at the top of uh, the, the ceiling in the hotel room and I thought, and I just started smiling and I thought, this pain is gonna subside, but the achievement will be there forever and it'll always be a reference for me for what is possible um, in life. So, you know, it, it's, it's a good, um, people often ask me what's the best thing and worst thing that happened to you and and um, I'm sure we'll come on to, to the dolphins but you know really aside from the dolphins the best thing and worst thing that happened to me was the same thing which was the sting because by going through that I learned more about myself in that day than, than the rest of the 30 something years could ever teach me um, I learned about um, how to overcome pain when you want something bad enough and I've also um, by doing that it's then made me more confident in other areas like for example you touched on it before like I never thought I'd write a book you know mm -hmm. I, I, that would that would have scared me to write a book you know I'm not a big reader of books and to write 76,000 words and and do that um, and when I did my dissertation at university which is 10,000 words I think it took me about two months of excuses to try not to write it so <laughs> to actually write a book on my story but it it it, um, it taught me a lot and that swim is what did that and, and I think it made me a more grounded person but it but it's a lesson for everybody in you know we're not saying you have to be swimming in a Molokai channel but what your perception of pain is and discomfort or um, barriers, you know, it's, it's not always what it seems. And what I mean by that is people see something or they've been influenced by others and say, oh, that I wouldn't swim in that cold water, Adam, that would be dangerous. Or I wouldn't go in those dangerous waters because there'd be, and we, we look at the barriers and the boundaries and, and what that means. But what we don't look is, is actually by doing these things, and I say it doesn't have to be swimming, what that will actually give us, what reward we'll get. We don't look at the rewards, we look at the consequences, we look at the fear. And if you remove the fear, then you're indestructible. You really are indestructible. And what I've realized that every time now that I quite like the fact, it's like I had a quick swim the other day, it was one degree, I was only in five minutes, but I haven't done ice swimming for about two years and you have to build up to it and it was like an old friend of oh are you gonna you don't have to do this you're not training for anything but are you gonna come in have you still got it are you still brave to do this and I was having these conversations going yes yes I am you know and it was it was like this communication with with the water but by doing it again it it was like okay that's that's adam again you know by doing those five minutes like i feel like adam again i feel and that was my release so i think in these times of challenge and, and difficulty and we all know what's happening in the world at the moment it's it is very easy to um, listen to you know all the different the news and the different things and and actually let that get us down when when what i say to people is see it this time of quiet and and the world changing to really assess what you want to be what you want to do you know what person do you want to be because 
yes, you know, a lot of people will are are, are um, without going into it are worried and concerned about because we haven't got our openness and our freedom that we had. But we can still there's things that you can do that get that back. So there's courses you can take. There's there's plans that you can make for the future. You know, what do I want to be? What do I really want to be? You know, dig deep inside of what will make you happy. And the thing about life's journey is by doing the first thing, it doesn't always mean that that's right for you. Try it. And it might mean, oh, well, that's not quite right for me, but that's taken me into a different direction. So I'm going to, I like that part of what I've tried, you know, whether, whatever it is, meditation, it might be, okay, I, I like some parts of it. So I want to go into another area of that particular field. And, um, and the same, you know, that can happen for fitness and it can happen with, with a lot of different things. But I would say to people, if you didn't have fear now and we removed fear and what that meant, what would you, what would you do? What would you take on? What would you really want to do? What, what would be that ultimate goal? And try not to let that first thought be, yeah, but I'm not going to be good enough or, or I'm not going to be able to stick with it for X, Y, Z or, or money might get in the way or, you know, try not to think that way and try and think, okay, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to achieve this particular thing. And then once you have that, that dream, that goal, you then got to figure out, okay, how do I master that? So what do I need? Do I need a coach to do that? Do I need people, I'll find people who can help me with that particular goal that I want. And then once you get on this journey and you train for it, it's never as hard as it seems. You know, it's very, it's, it's lovely how Marnie speaks about me and, and says, you know, these things that I've done, but I, I don't see them as incredible things. Not, I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, extra humble for the sake of having the conversation, but I don't. I, what I believe is you can do anything you absolutely want to do. And, and also if you don't make it bigger than you are, so you'll never hear me saying, oh, and then I was stung and I pulled tentacles off and I was in agony and I was yelling. And though you'll never hear me say that because whilst I, which I was in control of the situation, then I can overcome it. So whatever you take on, you stay in control, you push through it with everything you have and you find a way, whether that's talking to yourself, whether that's thinking about what it'll feel at the end when you've achieved it, by disassociating the discomfort as as a reward and a, and as something to get stronger with, and if we start thinking about all that way, it's never as bad as it might appear. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and I think it's very relevant for people as they're trying to dig deep right now and find their purpose and their passion and. Like you said, it kind of just built on itself. And then you're like, and now I'm gonna try this next ocean and then I'm gonna go to the next ocean. And I'm, and you just kept going. And I think when you're on that flow, they call it like being in flow, you're on your flow of your, of your purpose and everything is coming to you to support you in that flow. You're not really looking at the end result and you know kind of when you get to that end result you you're kind of in a haze of looking back and thinking of all the things you've achieved but you're still in this flow of 
wanting to experience even more right of of what you can do and what your potential is and i think when people get a little taste of that for themselves a little taste of success in an, in a moment of dreaming all the possibilities that they want in their life and one of that is possible and they get a little bit of a success in that and they just start riding that wave and they just keep going and they just keep going and then before you know it you're turning into ocean walker <laughs> and you're swimming all over the whole globe and you're just taking on this ocean and that ocean but you're right you know you're totally right i mean i you know i said before about people seeing me as ocean walker the, the ocean swimmer but i i said to my partner the other day you know there's so many different routes that you can take. You know, Adam Walker, again, maybe watches a different movie and, and gets inspired by something else. You know, I, I think there is a part of you that, yeah, you can say, well, well, number one, do I have passion with, for this? Do I enjoy it? I think you can always get the skills. You can always work at something to get better. You know, people see me, it makes me laugh. They say, well, I'll never be able to swim like that because he's a natural. I'm like, hang on a minute. I spent most of my life swimming a certain way with the ball technique. And then I I knuckled down my attention and, and I did it really to prolong my swimming. Otherwise I wouldn't have changed my stroke. And because it was my last chance at swimming because the injury, it was almost like, okay, for once Adam, um, let, let's really try and master something to, to a really intricate detail. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I was a fairly fast runner, I guess, when I was 11, 12 years old. And I got advice to run more on my toes than my, uh, the bottom of my feet. And I ignored it because I was young and effective and I got bad knees. And then when I played cricket, uh, in English sport cricket, they, they told me to stand up straighter when I bowled the ball. And because and, I was effective, slightly bending my back, I didn't do. And then I got a bad back. I was carried off the pitch with a bad, bad back. So I never listened to the signs. And as you're younger, you don't. And then it was the first time I thought, okay, if you really want to carry on this sport that you love, you've got to understand it and you've got to analyze it. And, and then what happens is, you become this person you didn't think you would be, which is, you know, I, I haven't, I'd never classed myself as super analytical or super scientific, but in the world of swimming, that's how people see me. I've spoken to scientists who, you know, have quizzed me on, on the shoulder, the internal and how it works and fascinated how I've worked around certain issues with, with the front crawl swim stroke. And that's, that was, initially of, of trial and error of what hurt me what was pain and then working out more things and then studying more sports to see how the body moves and then i became the specialist on anatomy which was quite funny really because i gave up biology at school and you know wasn't interested in anything sort of uh, of science but and then i became this scientific specialist in swimming which is which as i say which is funny so what i'm saying is even what you think is a strength or, or well it's a weakness now can then become a strength i mean adding on to that i remember a university public speaking being terrified of public speaking being awake um all night before i did uh, a talk on a particular subject and i would be scared and and, and i'd be sweating and just be just be terrible um, when i was you know sort of 19 20 and then you know years later i'm then i've spoken in front of 1400 people doing a talk as if i'm speaking to you now 
and how I get pumped up and excited to do that to, to, to you know it's, it's not a job it's 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 just having a conversation about our life and, and if that can inspire people then then that's fantastic but it seems it, it feels strange because that old Adam is in there somewhere and he's been eked out into a more confident Adam who can then talk in front of a lot of people and enjoy it not hate it and, and be stressed can actually enjoy it so it's it's really interesting and I, as I talk to you now, I'm Adam Ocean Walker, the swimmer. But actually, what's what else is there? You know, is, is that it? Am I the swimmer for the rest of the existence, or is that a part of me? Do I look at other things? And and what I what I would give people um, recommendation advice on is is just ex when you do explore these things that we talked about, and you get interested enough, you start writing an email to someone. And then that person you find out has background in somewhere else and then they put you onto some some other person and then you you then go with that and then before you know it everything that's happened to me has been from really just getting a feeling on something messaging someone and then it and it's gone on for something else like writing a book i thought wouldn't it be great to write a book don't be afraid of it let's see who can publish a book and then it went on where a conversation, another conversation, and then I got a book deal and I wrote a book. You know, it's everything that's happened. Now we're building a facility as a result of all this, I thought I can help people with my swim stroke, how, and I'm traveling in different countries to do it, how do I help more people in the masses? Well, maybe if I have my own place, then that can help more people with injuries. So, and that came from, my partner who was at a hairdresser's who showed me a picture of a log cabin surrounded by a lake her hairdresser showed it and said wouldn't it be amazing to live somewhere like that and i said oh my god we've got to buy it didn't know how much it was didn't know any detail about it and the, the long story short on it is that we we missed out on that house but then it opened my mind to buy my own place build a bigger lake and and then you know put my stamp on it and achieve all these things that, and that came from a picture. Yeah. So and listening to your intuition, right? That gut feeling intuition that is so innate, I think, for people that live in that moment of understanding who they are and what fuels their passion, what fuels their drive. Or yeah. we call it like prana, the life force energy, you know, your mana, your how you actually like exist on the earth and what you can do with this how you can be of service and i know not only achieving all the big things of of writing a book man versus ocean and swimming the seven deadliest oceans and all the things you know you also have a tremendously open heart in helping those that um, are less privileged than you in terms of either they have injuries, they'll never be able to swim a channel or an ocean, but you you actually spend your time helping people um, achieve like some big dreams. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit too of, you know, the people that you help and really this place that you're building is focused on helping people that, that need that extra support. 
Yeah, so I mean, again, it's an extension of what I said before about a conversation happened uh, with with a, a good friend of mine now called Ashley Jenkins. And he, I saw on, um, I think it was social media that he he's a quadriplegic with cerebral palsy, so he's wheelchair bound and he swam a mile in the pool, in the swimming pool um, by using a mask, can't lift his head. And I don't really reach out to people on social media. It, you know, it's not something that I normally do, but I was driven to him and I and I messaged him and I said, I, you know, I think it's amazing what you've done. I just wanted you to know that I think it's amazing. And, you know, I'd really like to send you something as a gift to say, well done. And he uh, came back and said, great, I'll have one of your Ocean Walker t-shirts, red size large, please, which is really <laughs> funny, like very specific. And I said, I'll tell you what I can do is I'm, I'm traveling kind of your way for a swim camp. How about I drop in and see, maybe we can have a swim together. So I went in and I, I said, what's the goal? And he said, to be able to breathe by myself, but that will never happen because I can't lift my head up. So I'm always gonna have to use a mask. And I said, well, let's look at that because I don't lift my head. I rotate onto the breath when I swim. So let's see if, uh, so anyway, we spent about two and a half hours of of trying to get him to rotate and because his brain knows what he wants to do but his body rejects it so I, I'm, I was trying to get him to roll onto the breath but his other arm would try and stop him so anyway we created a system where uh, one arm would go sort of across him and, and the other arm would come back to try and rotate and we're trying to create this uh, if you do it if you do something physically say 200 times then then the brain's going to work out you know how to do it Anyway, so we got, we rotated twice in those two and a half hours and it was like uh, better than anything I'd ever done. And I, and I said that I got out of the water, I was so happy, I was quite emotional. I said to my partner, forget Ocean 7, this is the best thing that, uh, that I've ever done and I want to do more of it and see if I can, because I've got a good concept of the body through my injuries, maybe I could help people who are paralyzed. Or... So anyway, from that, I then, uh, ended up coaching another person who'd, who'd had a um, car accident who was given a 0-2% chance of walking again <clears throat> and he was trying to swim and he couldn't get his legs up and within in 10 minutes we had this bet that I could get his legs up and he had all these floats I said no we don't need the floats we'll, we'll do it anyway that we achieved that and <clears throat> I just got really excited about the prospect of helping more people who are less fortunate or have had accidents and things and when this idea of the venue uh, of, of getting a place it then became okay having a place to coach people is one thing but well, let's make it access for all let's let's have everybody no matter what ailment you've had disability and, and it's open arms for everybody and then we'll we'll look to find an activity that suits everybody so it, it won't be just become a swimming center it becomes um, a well-being center as well so yes you know now i've i've uh, in between lots of happened last three years uh, built a lake so i've got a lake with islands and and we have um a, a barn which has an, a small indoor tank for hydrotherapy as well as swim technique um and and a gym and so we we've got all these different things and and obviously we, we we're geared up which i'm very excited to for you to come over Marnie to to do uh sound healing and and your stuff because you're amazing what you do and, and I, I definitely want you here doing that and it'll be it's perfect because it's um 
way away from from noise and light pollution and you see the stars so it's just perfect spot for it but the point in what um what i'm saying is that uh again one conversation me reaching out to a guy to say well done turned for me to see him to help him open my mind to other things and now it's effectively uh, going to become a center that is open for disabilities of all levels and and that's not just wheelchairs that i'm talking about um you know partial sighted or autism and and i i just don't think there's many places that reach out to people who have uh, a number of different things and and if i can be a center that actually if you if you have a, um, a certain challenge in your life whatever it is we can cater for it and i think that would be the ultimate goal and i and i what i'd say to people is you know you for, for for me in the whole of the legacy and 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 my life it's not about those seven swims that was that that gave me opportunity rewarded me to do to be able to help others and what we're on the planet for and and not everybody is the same people want to help people some people you know look at it in a different route whatever that is but whatever you decide to do you know if you've got that inkling and you've got that inside you that this feels right i really feel like i want to be this sort of person or or i want to take this career path whatever that is just explore it because there really is nothing to lose and i think once you're prepared to not make it and i'm not i'm not going to use the words um uh i'm saying it failed but i'm not going to use that but once you're prepared to step out of your comfort zone give something a go and um and and you might just find that you really achieve it by putting everything into it so you remove the fear you remove that idea of failure because actually what what is you know what's the other outcome the outcome is you do nothing and if you do nothing are you feeling better about that and and as a kid i didn't want to fail i was i was thinking i won't take that on i won't do that because i don't want to show my parents that i'm i'm not the best and that was always a barrier for me as a kid i remember if i ever came in second place i didn't want to tell them i came second in the swim race you know that, if that happened so but as i got older i thought you know what it's okay to give something to a go and it's okay to not make it and if you have that in your mind then you know if you don't make it 10 times but on the 11th you do or if i write to a thousand people and i want to do a project and a thousand say no but the next one does i have this uh if you want to call it naivety in a good way of yeah. i just believe at some point it will happen whatever that is and when someone says no to me or they ignore an email or it doesn't come back or this won't happen i'm like okay yeah yeah you just wait because it is going to happen just wait is it this one no it's not that time but we'll go again and it's that almost i kind of joke to myself of um it's like with this place i had to go through planning and I had to have a meeting with 14 people to decide my fate on whether I could help people achieve their dreams. And I was 100% thought, this is going to happen. This is supposed to happen. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not fearing the fact that these people can say no to what I'm doing because it's just meant to happen. And, and, I, kept, and I went into the meeting with that energy, it's meant to happen. And, I, and um, 
and I had three minutes, you're given three minutes to, to explain your story uh, of what you want to do. And I went in there with so much energy and, and of what could be achieved by them saying yes to it. Then they were like, oh, wow, we've got to, you know, we've got to say yes to this. But just have a bit of faith is what I'm saying in, in yeah. things and faith in yourself. So inspirational to hear ugh, all those words. And I know everybody who's listening to this podcast right now are really reflecting on their life and the dreams that they are hoping to achieve or moving or pivoting their life in a new direction right now to find their purpose as they're given this time to reflect. And, and maybe 2021 is going to be another half a year or a year of reflection and some deep some deep self-discovery work right now for people. And one thing that I, I want to touch on before we go is I have to bring in the dolphins because that's what brought us together. And, and it's interesting how our paths, you know, have kind of traversed over the years. Um, but the dolphins were a way that you and I connected. And I really listened to that too, like when you meet people for certain reasons. And so your experience though, and my experience with the dolphins um, are, is life-changing. And you both, we both have had incredible life-changing experiences, being with dolphins, swimming with wild dolphins, being in the ocean with dolphins, watching dolphins heal people using their sonars. And I can go on and on and on about that. But I would love for you to share your experience um, and I believe, and I'm looking at the timeline, don't tell me, don't tell me, um, that it was the, no, wait, wait, wait. Here it is. The Cook Strait in New Zealand. Yeah, so Cook Strait, New Zealand was my fifth of the seven ocean swims. So I had, uh, the third one was Molokai. I did Catalina Channel, which um, I swam with one arm for half the swim when my shoulder packed in. So that, that was another challenge in itself. And then, and then after that, I uh, swam in Japan and then I did the Cook, Cook Strait. Um, and what happened with the Cook Strait was it was, I suppose, about three three hours into it, and it was really rough, and I was feeling quite sick, and I started to be sick, and I thought, oh, I'm sick as I normally am in these swims. Here we go again. And then I looked up at the sky, and I said, please, please, just give me something positive. Of all these swims that I've done, just, you know, just stop the sickness, or I don't know what I was pleading on, but I was just saying, give me something positive. I remember looking up, and then within literally two seconds this fin flew in front of me and you know at the time i didn't uh, straight away i didn't know what it was although i was you know trained myself to be calm in the ocean but i was like that's a fin and then there's lots of fins oh and within literally probably three or four seconds realized it was dolphins um so so that was the fin and as i was swimming the it was incredible. I mean, I had uh, around about 12 dolphins. I had two or three one side, two or three another. I had one in front of my fingertips, um, which for over an hour. And after uh, 20...
and I were just going to wait for Adam to come back online. We were just talking about the dolphins and his swim from the Cook Strait in New Zealand and his incredible experience with the dolphins surrounding him as he was swimming between the Cook Strait in New Zealand. So I'm going to just hold on here. See if we can get him back in. Thanks for hanging in, guys. I hope this is a really inspiring talk um, with Adam. He is, as I mentioned, one of the most inspirational people. Oh, sorry, I lost you. There you I are. I lost you there. We're still on. I just, I just told everyone that we're gonna, we're gonna find you again. Yeah, yeah. No sorry, sorry. I don't know what happened there. We just lost Wi-Fi. Yeah, went... But um, yeah. So, so I was, um, so I had dusky dolphins. Um, that's the breed of bottlenose that they, that they were, and they sort of flanked me either side. I had some in the middle, and then one would circle me. And what I didn't realize at the time is dolphins circle their young to protect. They're not like sharks. They, you know, that's that's uh, what they do. And one would get close and close with its tail and, and was trying to touch me, but wasn't sure. And I didn't want to reach out. So it was like this moment, amazing. Um, but talking about the shark, I, I took my mind off the shark, focused on the dolphins. And I believe anyway, sharks aren't, um, what you know what they appear in movies and things that they're, they're out to get us and and so i, I embrace all of nature and, and, and at the end of the day i'm in, i'm in their home the ocean is their home i'm a guest in their home so you know i i focused on the dolphins i stopped for a drink um, to have my fuel drink that's thrown over the side and the dolphins stop this is after half an hour and i think oh they're going to disappear they're going to get bored yeah um, but they're floating around and anyway, I carry on after my drink, after maybe 20 seconds, and they carry on. And then another half an hour, I stop and they stop. And then we carry on. This happens for an hour and a half. And I wouldn't have classed myself as a, as a necessarily very spiritual person before that. But the, the emotion that I had, and particularly as one rolled onto its side, I remember uh, it, it looked at me in the corner of its eye we were eye to eye for about 10 minutes. And, and you know, I get sort of a bit emotional talking about it. I can't really, uh, really describe that feeling or do it justice, apart from to say it was just an incredible touching moment that connected through something that I love, the ocean. And obviously that's their domain. And it was sharing a moment um, together which was just will be unforgettable for me i felt i almost felt i have so many different emotions that I, I felt like gratitude that i was experiencing this i felt almost a bit of sadness that you know what we what we without getting too much into uh conservation side but i think there was a bit of you know this is your world you know how dare we touch this world or, or put them you know sea world and places like that that i absolutely hate and and there was a bit of that kind of emotion of you know what a privilege and what an honor and 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 for them to allow me to be part of their gang for a period of time that's what it felt like oh we're going to support you i did feel protected i i never you know people asked me from around the world this the video went viral on on the dolphins and 
I think it's Good Morning America. You know, did they uh, did they save you? Did they save you uh, from the shock? And I said I can, I can never say for sure whether that was the intention. I can only tell you how I felt, which I felt very secure, and I felt they were there for a reason. You know, I don't know dolphin language. I don't know for sure what that reason would be, but it's it seems pretty natural that you know they were there for a purpose because. As you know, Marnie, dolphins get bored pretty easy. And when we did the documentary together, we spent a long time out there just to get some footage to recreate the footage because the, the documentary was about dolphin intelligence using my story in mind. And we had to reconstruct the, the swim. And we were out there days and we didn't get a tenth of the footage that I got on that day um, for the Cook Strait, which is which makes it even more special in, in, in a way, because I think in my mind, I thought maybe I'm like a dolphin man or dolphin whisperer. So when we went out together in Hawaii, I'm clicking underwater and whistling and doing, and they're not the remote bit interested in me. They're doing their own thing. They don't, you know, they're just kind of flying around. But on that day in the Cook Strait, for an hour and a half, we were so in tune together um, and as I say, they were they were there. I was part of their pod for an hour and a half, and I'll be truly grateful for that moment. And and the one thing that slight regret was after an hour and a half, the boat pilot said, "Adam, you're losing time because you're looking at dolphins, and we have three currents to get across. Mm -hmm. So you really need to focus on getting across." And. And I sort of joked to him, say, oh, give me a break. You know, it's it's the best moment of my life. But then I thought, no, he's right. So in my mind, I said, thanks, Dolphin, for your support. But I really, I'm okay now. Thank you. And within two seconds, gone forever. Just suddenly disappeared as soon as I, I said that. And I was like, no, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Come back. But I almost got so, not complacent, but just so used to dolphins being there. It was like, oh, yeah, they're going to hang around all through this swim. It's incredible. Such a profound experience and like you said very spiritual and mystical at the same moment and all of you know whoever out there is listening and has their own dolphin experience I mean we know just how intelligent they are and and you can look up Adam's work and find a lot of his dolphin work on on his stuff or through YouTube and and what have you but I really love your your connection or your interpretation of your connection and this will probably be my last question of the ocean you know and I know like it's now it's ocean walker um uk.com and but you know really the mystical experiences you've had in the ocean and your conversations with the ocean every time that you go in I think is such a beautiful poetry that I've heard you describe you know how you talk to the ocean while you're doing these big human feats of of accomplishment of passing through and working with the marine life and everything can you explain that a little bit of really it's you have to get out of your mind completely yeah i mean it just sort of happened and as i say i was not very well i thought i wasn't a spiritual person i didn't really understand you know that kind of thing, I suppose, at time. And now I've, I've gone completely the other way. You know, I didn't, when things you don't understand, you, you sort of 
you know it's easy to pass off as well, what does that mean what what you know what are these feelings what what, what is being spiritual um, but but of course by doing this sport I then and, and the dolphins and, and and that connection with the water um, I sort of did it yeah it just felt like the ocean it was was always a friend to me and and like a friend you can fall out and then you make up again and 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 it almost felt like my journey I was supposed to I was supposed to do the seven ocean swims to discover who I was I was supposed to go through the things that I went through and which you know many different challenges as, as we've talked about um, I don't think it was supposed to be an easy ride when I say easy you know not being stung not swimming with one arm being sick you know all the rest of it but that that was the gift that was the gift that I was given in order to make myself stronger and and that connection I found myself talking more and more with the ocean and 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 really um, just just feeling such a connection that that it and, and even now when I go into the water, it's like it's like seeing an old friend all the time. It's I go back and go, ah, I'm I'm back again, how are you doing? And I end up sort of having these conversations in my mind as I'm swimming. And and such gratitude, the fact that um, what's happened to me, that I discovered the open water swimming and what that's given me. And there's no you know, and I have been rewarded with um, doing something that I passionately want to do, which is what I always wanted to do, uh, which was sport. And, and in this case, it's it's become swimming, which was my number one sport. And I've become a coach. And I, I always liked the idea of being a teacher on anything. So I became a teacher, which is one tick. Uh, I did sport and, and specifically swimming. So I've I've ticked all the boxes I wanted to be, um, being a swim coach and, and doing my own thing and my own technique and knowing how much it can help people. So I've been massively rewarded and, and by being grateful um, for, and, and, and again, people look at it, yeah, you know, you had to go through a lot of things to get those rewards. But again, it's another message back to people that you know, if rewards what you're after, and as human beings, we like to be rewarded with something, whether that's happiness, whether that's money or material things or whatever it is. But actually by going through these things and, and having these connections with people, or in my case, the ocean as well, it's, there's, there's a lot of things that come your way from it. And I think, you know, when, when I think about what I'm gonna do with this place and, and moving forwards, I just want people to experience, um, you know, stepping out of their comfort zone and what happiness that gives them. The fact that they feel brave and strong and, and that they can take on um, whatever life is thrown at them. Because that's what the ocean's done for me. That's what swimming's done for me. Yes, there is seven swims there and there's, you know, there's some pictures on the wall with some certificates. That's that's great. You know, it reminds me that I did that. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is what you can do with that. Um, and that can, in my case, I can help a lot of people have ex similar experiences that I've had and and find happiness. Um, and and I think that's the key. But yeah, that that I find it hard to really put into words that full connection with the ocean other to say it's it's an old friend um we talk to each other 
you know, sometimes I get a little bit angry if it's not going my way or the ocean is trying to make me severely COLD and then I have to find a way through it. But I always say, ah, you're doing that to me again. Ah, remember, I'm, I'm going to stay in Japan. I remember shouting at the ocean when I got, I got pushed sideways for hours. I was 15 and a half hours in Sugaru Channel in Japan. And I said, I will be out here all week, all month, all year. You've proven how strong you are. You've proven a point. Now, now just let me get through. And I shouted and, and Gemma, my partner said, who are you shouting at? I said, the ocean. I'm just having a conversation with the ocean. And I think she, <laughs> he's finally lost it. Um, and then on that, when that conversation or my shouting at the ocean, because um, I always tried to be in control of what I was doing and not show emotion or anger or whatever, but I was a bit fed up. So I was like, oh, we'll be out here all week, woman. As soon as I stopped that, the boat waved at me and said, um, for the first time, there is no current. It's, it's level. So you have 700 meters to go. And I swam as fast as I could for 700 meters thinking, that, and I was chatting to the ocean as I was swimming in. Don't you change, don't push me back like you have for the last few hours. Come on, you know, be nice, be nice. And I had that conversation and then I left the water and I completed the swim. Um, but I always joke, and if ever I speak to kids and I do a talk and I always say, you know, it's, uh, so if you find yourself in the water and, uh, you know, it's a little bit rough or you're not feeling very comfortable, just shout at it and, and say how strong you are and try and reason and the ocean <laughs> listens to you in the end. <laughs> like Poseidon, the king of the oceans, right? Yeah, it's strange <laughs> what happens. But that, like you say, Mon, you know, it's it's that power over water and, and that connection. And, and you're talking to someone who had there's nothing in my life that, sh that that opened me up to anything sp uh, spiritual. You know, I didn't understand any of that. All I understood was when I'm in water, I'm happy. And and actually, I cr created somehow this really strong bond with 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 this uh, thing um, that, that actually makes me happy. And what a strange thing that you can be happy by being at your comfort zone and by pushing through that, and that makes me the, the happiest I am, and it makes me feel that I'm alive. And I think that's the thing is, you know, we're looking at a, a world at the moment which is full of challenges, and we're looking at what, what's next, but we can take control of that. We can, you know, we, we can overcome those barriers. We don't have to just focus on what the news is telling us and, and the fact that we have to stay in plan because this will be over soon enough and when it is what are the goals that are there what are you going to take on what exciting things you know this is this is a, a part in everybody's life that we've had to kind of stop or pause for a second and maybe that is the world telling us that we need to pause because we're on this treadmill of life before the time and things pass us by and we make ends meet and you know another 10 years go by and and then you look back and think well have i done what i really wanted to do have i achieved the things have i pushed myself and maybe the world you know depends how you look at it perhaps this has been put in our place for a reason to make people pause and stop and to embrace life and appreciate it more because 
it's not a given, is it? And I think that's probably the sign that we're shown at the moment is life is not a given. So embrace it, you know, live it to the full, take on the things you want to do, live it without fear, and just keep hurdling over those barriers. That's what the ocean swims were for me, barrier after barrier, smashing through them, getting stronger, and, and moving on to the next level of my life, I guess. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm in awe and I love it. And of course, you always inspire through your words and your actions. And I'm, I know many of you out there are feeling like, yes, I'm ready to, to shift my life. And hearing this amazing story has given me the juice to do so. And if you guys aren't following Adam Walker already on Instagram, it's Adam Walker. Adam Ocean Walker on Instagram. Adam Ocean Walker on Instagram, and the website is oceanwalkeruk.com. Yeah, YouTube is Ocean Walker as well. If people want to check out Ocean Walker for the swim stroke and tips and things that I often give, and there's some talks on there as well. Amazing. I mean, there's so much. There's. I'm really lucky that that you're coming onto to my podcast because you've done so many pieces and there's a lot of content out there just to learn about. And the book, you know, Man versus Ocean is out there. You can buy it almost anywhere. Um, and just want look to go at it. Man versus Ocean, if people want to go to oceanwalkeruk.com, then I'll do, following this, I'll do a, a, a special sort of signature and inspirational message if you go to my website and just put a message that heard you on Marnie's podcast and and then I'll put a nice message uh, and send it off. Oh, thank you, Mahalo for that. That's so nice of you. Um, well, you and I could talk forever, but I think we should probably <laughs> sign off soon. You probably go to bed, don't you? It's yeah, I know. It's super late in a while. Thanks, but, thanks um, so much for, for, you know, spending the time. And, and yeah, I, I really was excited to to have this chat with you, you know, we're, we're very close friends and, uh, you know, it's brilliant to, to talk about the old memories. And, I, I, you know, if anybody um, does have a question, they can al always email me on info at oceanwalkeruk.com if you want to hear anything more or, you know, you have a question about your own life and you, you want a little bit of advice maybe, then feel free to email me. I'm, I'm always happy to help. and. Uh, but just, you know, we'll get through these times. It's short term, but have a plan, have a plan. It will make you feel better and you'll get stronger. Thank you. And I look forward to coming to the lake and teaching some meditation and sound healing. Hopefully this year. Yeah, 100%. It'll be awesome. So thank you so much, everyone, for sticking it out. Um, this is the episode of Man vs. Ocean with Adam Walker. And... Thank you all for listening to the Golden Thread Podcast. Mahalo and see you all soon. Thank you. Mm -hmm.